walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, in this art he is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Hardest part of the ring. Back at ya. With the apron bump and... Diggity diggity dog, we have a special, special one today. Survivor Series 2001. We made it, folks. We made it. <laughs> the end of the invasion. Winner take all. <laughs> I'm gonna kill the Alliance. <laughs> DDP, who's that? <laughs> Give him some teeth. Um, but yeah, we are in November of 2001, and this, you're probably sick of me talking about it <laughs> at this point, but yes, the invasion, which pretty much started in uh, the early summer of 2001, really kicked off at the invasion pay-per-view, and has progressed on, you know, through SummerSlam, Unforgiven, No Mercy, several months, like what, six, seven months? And uh, now we're here. Winner take all, as I said. And uh, before I get into the show, I want to give a special, special shout out to my guest today. He's not just a good guest. He's not a mediocre guest. He's not a subpar guest. He's not an I guest. He is incredible. That's right. Justin Credible is my guest. Yes, that Justin Credible, a.k.a. PJ Palaco, a.k.a. Aldo Montoya. That Justin Credible is joining me on this episode to discuss WWF Survivor Series 2001. And honestly, I couldn't really think of a much better guest than him. Because he's a guy that did not benefit <laughs> from the invasion. Not The invasion pretty much killed his WWF career. Because we all know what he was capable of. Even in early WWF, his early days, did a lot of good stuff in the mid-90s. And then at ECW, he just exploded. Was one of the biggest stars ECW ever had. Huge, huge name in ECW. Comes over to WWF. Gets paired with X-Pac and Albert, which we all know. And I, I tell the, I tell him this. One of my favorite factions of all time. Um, I really wish I would have asked him more about X-Factor. I really wish I would have gotten him to sing Uncle Cracker or something. But 
I was just a nervous Nelly, so that didn't happen. But yeah, so Justin came in an X Factor, and we all know how that kind of panned out. Or do we though? Because everybody thinks of X Factor as like, oh, that faction with the with the silly entrance music, and it didn't really last that long. But do you know why it didn't last that long? Because this fucking invasion storyline <laughs> threw a monkey wrench into everything. Because like I just mentioned, Justin was a huge name in ECW, so obviously he's going to be positioned in the Alliance, whereas X-Pac and Albert were positioned on Team WWF. So that really split them up. And we, we talk about it in the episode, but I guess that occurred on Heat at some point, which I personally have never even witnessed. And I'm sure a lot of fans never witnessed either, but that, that they did have a breakup. A very lukewarm breakup on Heat when it really should have been something featured more, in my opinion. But yeah, he just became like another body in the invasion on the Alliance side. Wasn't really given much of an opportunity. And like I said, I don't want to step on our toes for what we, we talk about. But he goes into in this episode a lot of why he wasn't able to really gain any traction in WWF. Um, but really excited for you guys to hear all of that. Because honestly, I mean, you've heard what I've had to say about the invasion. And about this era in WWF in general. You've heard what my guests have had to say. And I've been fortunate to have a lot of good guests on these episodes. That have had uh, different opinions. Different kind of points of view on things. And I think if we all... You know, you take all those pay-per-views I listed before. And all the reviews I've done. We have a pretty good list of why the invasion didn't work, right? You know, it was rushed. Uh, the in incoming stars from WCW and ECW. They weren't, they weren't built, right? They were just... They're just numbers, and just incredible is a, was a casualty of that. You know, it, the whole invasion really just was. It felt like an ego boost for the McMahons, if nothing else. Don't believe me? Just look at their involvement in this. Just nonsensically, the heads of WCW and ECW, Shane and Stephanie, that made no sense. And then you have you know Linda and Vince. I mean, Vince obviously should be a part of it because he's the head of WWF. But it was just, it became a McMahon versus McMahon thing, not a company versus company thing. And that's something we've discussed about in previous episodes. The whole premise of what this could have been, the whole romantic kind of view of it, that the whole what would have made this cool is you have two or even three companies that ha all have different visions of what wrestling is, three different identities three different personalities and that could have been translated on screen but it wasn't you combined ecw and wcw to create this one homogeneous kind of group that had no personality to it and it was just headed by stone cold shane mcmahon and stephanie it just became wwf faction a versus wwf faction b it was soulless it had no soul to it. That's what soulless means. <laughs> um, but it's, it had no... There was no identity to each faction. Even in the build-up to this... Oh my god, dude. The build-up. It was a mess. First of all, there's so many titles. I'm, I'm trying not to ramble on, but there's just so much... Just trying to set the stage here for what... <laughs> all these all these pay-per-views, all this time that this, this storyline has, has gone on. There were so many titles. I mean, in the last few months, it was just like Raw and SmackDown were just nonstop title matches. Going to any Raw, any SmackDown during this period, it opens with a US title and then there's a WCW tag title match. 
then there's a hardcore title match, then there's a WWF tag team. Like it's just non nonsense. There's there's over how many titles are there? Probably like twelve, I think. Because you got WWF, you got the WWF title, WCW, US title, Intercontinental title, WCW tag, WWF tag, cruiserweight, light heavyweight, hardcore, European. And that's not even factoring in the women's title, which comes back on this on this show, by the way. So unless I'm missing any, that's 11 titles. <laughs> you know what I mean? And none of them mean a goddamn thing. But thankfully, we see some consolidation on this show, Survivor Series. We see some unification matches. But yeah, I mean, at this point, honestly, the show, I, I for whatever it is, I did enjoy watching Survivor Series 2001. Spe- specifically, the main event I thought was great. Now, we all can agree that the players should have been different. We all agree that the buildup should have been different. But as far as the players they had involved in it, I don't, I don't think it could have been better. You, know, you have a really good match between Edge and Test. You have a great steel cage match between the Hardys and the Dudleys. There's some good stuff on this show, but you also see a lot of the bad. And a lot of that bad is displayed in the match that my guest is involved in. Which, by the way, he didn't even remember that he was involved in this show, if that tells you anything about how this was built up. But uh, yeah, there's good, there's bad, but I was excited to talk to, I'm gonna call him Just Incredible because I'm a fucking mark. I was excited to talk to Justin about the woes that he had, both in this storyline specifically and, and otherwise. But yeah, like I said, you've heard what me, you've heard what I've had to say, you've heard what my, what my guests have had to say, you've heard what fans have had to say about this. But now it's time to get someone's first-hand perspective on what went down during the invasion, during Survivor Series in general. And uh, yeah, man, let's just get right to it, man. Yeah, check out Justin on Twitter, at PJ Polacco. I'll put that in the description as well. A really, really fun follow on Twitter, actually. I highly recommend him. And I greatly appreciate him taking the time to not only beyond this podcast but to watch the show that he hadn't watched in a while so really awesome dude really fun to talk to let's just get right into it man survivor series 2001 with myself and justin credible but yeah i've heard you um i've heard you on a bunch of interviews and stuff I heard so much about your career and i've watched a lot of it as well but i really kind of wanted to like zone in on like your your initial wwf run at least in the, the t- year 2001 run, I guess, because the majority of that run kind of revolves around the invasion, right? Right. Um, I guess so. I guess just to see if we're like we're on the same page here. What What are your general uh, opinions on the invasion storyline? Um, I I really was. I didn't I didn't think it was uh, executed very well at all. Uh, that's yeah. just me personally, because. Uh, it affected me. It affected my whole run, quite frankly, with the company. Mm-hmm. Um, because before uh, the buyout of WCW, um, you know, I came in to team with X-Pac and we formed a team called X-Factor and uh, we feuded with the Dudleys, which was great. And um, mm-hmm. anyways, and then we did some stuff with the Hardys and whatever. And we were supposed to eventually go on and get a tag team title run. So, uh, when news that they were going to do the invasion, um, you know, it just turned every storyline that they were going to do yeah. really upside down. And, uh, you know, and as we come to find out, you know, I knew it was going to be very hard for me 
you know, in all of that mess to, uh, to get over. I mean, uh, you know, I ended mm -hmm. up being a background act um, for the invasion, you know, for the Alliance, um, which was, you know, a lot of good guys ended up in that situation, but mm -hmm. it was, uh, it was a no win street for a lot of us at the time, you know? Right. Yeah. And I'm so glad you bring up X factor because that's like one of my guilty pleasures is the wrong word, but it's like such a team that had so much potential, but right. you just, you just weren't given the chance at all. Cause like you said, you came in at a time right when the invasion was starting and that's when you guys were paired up. And yeah. you had that, that, that feud with the Dudleys, which is a great feud. Um, but then the invasion happened, then the battle lines were drawn and just, you were just put on that side with ECW as right. you should have been. And it, it all made sense, but I kind of think there could have at least been like an angle of some sort to break you guys up because it just, as to my knowledge, it wasn't brought up on TV unless it was like on heat or something. Uh, it did. Well, yeah, it was on heat. Okay. It was something. It was like a full episode of Heat, where I was, uh, I was in WWE, WWF New York at the time, and some I don't know, some kind of. It was corny though. It was really corny, right. and very <laughs> under underwhelming. Uh, with the Alliance, man, what they had done to, with the night they formed it uh, at first, ECW kind of formed mid mid show. I think it was. I don't remember exactly, but I think it was like me and Raven and the Dudleys uh, in the ring. And, uh, it, you know, and a bunch of other ECW guys came in and it looked like, you know, we were going to attack the Dudleys and we all ended up kind of pairing up and becoming, you know, Heyman was out there and it became like, you know, you could tell the ECW guys had formed a faction. Yeah. And by the end of the show, literally an hour later, um, the alliance was formed. And um, it was so obvious because I think we were in Atlanta at the Georgia Dome when ECW um, had formed the crowd popped. It was a really nice uh, response. And then at the end, when the alliance formed and, you know, Stephanie and that whole thing, um, it just like, it, it really deflated the entire room. And, uh, you mm -hmm. know, and with Steve, Wall, it just, it just could have been done. I think it would have been much more successful if, it, if they tried to play it closer to the truth of three promotions vying yes. for, um, you know, like WWF, ECW and WCW and, um, you know, the Alliance was just a way, I guess, to make it um, make it easier, maybe. But, uh, you know, it was obviously, a, in my opinion, I could be wrong, but it was a cheaper way to book it. And it just, like I said, it just put a bunch of us uh, in, a, in a corner yeah. of Steve Austin, which really was, you know, use, useless at the time for, for me. You know, right. we were just background fodder, you know. Yeah. And we'll talk a lot about Steve Austin uh, a little later in the show, too. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. If it would have been presented more as like ECW as its own thing, and then you have WCW and WWF, because they had the talent there. They had sure, Duke, yeah. Dudley's, Raven. A lot of these guys are like background guys, but yep. were had s such a great run in ECW. But once they were just under the WWF umbrella, they just felt like, like like you said, background. And it's, it's a shame yeah. because I think that was like a the biggest thing of the invasion is they had no interest in building up those new right people that came in right the outsiders yep. um because guys like yourself guys like sean sean o'hare chuck palumbo these like really talented guys that have even have yeah. the look they have everything but for yep. whatever reason like you you yourself are a great talker in ecw but i felt like you never right. got promo time nope <laughs> just Not a handful of times you know, you know? Yeah. yeah um and they like <laughs> it's like i think i heard you in another interview they like pretty much took everything from you that made you 
who you were the the jean right. shorts because stole yep. stone cold was wearing it you couldn't do the tombstone the super kick right. yep. um didn't let you talk it's like you, you had no chance man uh <laughs> no i mean i did the best i could i really did i mean you, you know and uh there were a lot of other guys there that uh that that suffered the same thing like raven um and dreamer was there and dreamer you know how that went for him i mean you know it didn't go very well dreamer so yeah because he was like the face of ecw and i felt like he was never even like on screen really <laughs> during the invasion right yeah. yeah it's just and it was just a way to kind of and ecw just went out of business too only like three or four four months before so it's not mm-hmm. like it was a pat like uh that far off you know um so really it just showed that they did they had no care about really crafting um these storylines you know it was just we're gonna we're gonna push ahead with the, the the wwe agenda but it should have been the wwe agenda like they try so hard to um spin their own storylines when in in essence reality mm-hmm. is if you would have just tried to stick to what pro wrestling fans already know and kind of you know use yep. their the back their past their background to sort of help build your you know what i mean it doesn't take that much they just have such an ego mm-hmm. um that they're just not interested in it you know and they do what they do i guess you know yeah yeah and we'll see that in the main event too it's just hilarious that that's like what their vision was of this right. because ultimately it just became just like a f- one faction versus one faction it, it wasn't a company right. thing there was no identity to any of the any of the sides yep they just lost everything but um yeah so survivor series 2001 that is the uh, culmination of all of this several months pretty much the majority of 2001 was dedicated to this invasion storyline um a lot of unification matches on this show uh battle royal which yourself partook in uh, and then the main event, which obviously is the five on five uh, elimination match. Um, have you watched this show anytime recently or have you ever watched gone back and watched this show? I watched it when I knew uh, I went through it when I knew I had to do this with you. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. And I, I had forgotten. I had forgotten uh, about all of it, quite frankly. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's almost 20, 20 years ago almost. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't blame you at all. Um, but yeah, I watched the show back a few days ago as well. And like you, I don't really remember much about it outside of the main event. But yeah. uh, overall, the show, I mean, we talked the, the storyline and all the problems it had. But the show as a whole, I kind of enjoyed. It didn't seem like it yeah. dragged at all, especially the main event. I thought the main event was great. If you look past yeah. who, who's in it, um, right. I think with what, what they had, I think the show overall was uh, pretty solid. What about you, just in general? Um, it, was, it was good. It was solid, you know. Yeah. Uh, definitely um it has it's like anything they do i think they they always focus and as well they should probably in the main the main storylines you know yeah. um but it, their their biggest problem um you know especially you know today is like they really don't try hard enough to uh you know with all the time that they have to kind of bring up other talents you know in my opinion what what made like um what did, what did they call the attitude era what made the mm-hmm. attitude era so successful and uh, I know a lot of people are not going to like to hear this, but I think it had a lot of truth to it. Vince Russo really believed in, um, you know, because he was very successful at that point with the WWE, you know, and he he had everybody, even like Taka Michinoku and the smaller, uh, yeah. you know, people that weren't, you know, in a little bit of a in storylines, you know, everybody was kind of involved where, um, you know, or come 2001 and, and forward, it's like only a handful of people will get promos and mic time. Mm-hmm. So it's almost doesn't seem as important 
to to me and you know it's like it, it drags the time of the of the you know the watching it you're like all right let's get to the main stuff because the rest doesn't really matter you know yeah well i think like around wrestlemania time of, of 2001 i think during that era it was pretty solid from a top to bottom kind of standpoint as far as everyone having their kind of thing but once the invasion started it was like okay we have the invasion and then we'll kind of right. figure it out we have the main event and then we'll kind of fill in the holes below that yeah but yeah the show opens up uh, they're in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, really good video package, kind of hyping up the severity with like the end is near music. Um, you have Jr. Paul Heyman on commentary. I know you you were pretty much in ring uh, or on the show during most of their run as a commentary duo. But as far as their commentary, what did you think about it? I thought they were great. I really enjoyed, yeah. uh, you know, Heyman's really good at anything he kind of does that has to, to do with talking. He's very good at explaining situations and, can, you know, he's, he's great at delivering those messages. And Jim Ross is, you know, probably one of the best ever to do it. So, uh, yeah, they paint, they paint a clear picture and they're still, even though they're taking direction from Vince McMahon, they're still very good at uh you know, they know the history of the guys. They know things um, that a lot of the viewers may not know. And they always are. They're not afraid to pick up on that. So I always enjoy their work, especially yeah. as a team, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, especially as a team, because they were like the perfect kind of combination, the perfect narration for the whole invasion, because you have right. JR one side, Heyman one side, and they're so yep. good at just bickering with each other. And it really kind of amplified the stakes of the show and by amplifying the hostility between them. Just right, absolutely. Table. Yep. And then, um, so with his first match, the European Championship is on the line. Christian versus Al Snow. So this this match pretty much just arose a few hours before the yep. show on Heat. Not a ton of story there at all, so it's pretty random. But the match itself, I like. I mean, I love both these guys. I think both are very yeah. underrated for what for the time they were given. I think they made every second count. Christian had a ton of heat. In the beginning, saying everybody here in South Carolina, <laughs> North Carolina, crowd was hot for it. But ultimately, um, after Al Snow can't put Christian away with the snowplow, uh, Christian runs away, runs outside the ring, gets back in, catches Al Snow with an unprettier uh, for the win. So he retains his coveted European championship. Uh, so he really, you know, it's a pretty solid match to throw out there uh, as an opener. Um, and I enjoyed it for what it was. What about you? I enjoyed it too. Uh, I, you know, I, I actually was one of the people that I didn't mind the European title all that yeah. much. Um, but, uh, you know, it just kind of showed at the time they didn't even know really what to do with a talent like Christian, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, cause there were, there were so many people there. Uh, but nonetheless, um, you know, it was a good match. I did enjoy it. It was a good opening match. Um, so yeah. And Al Snow is always, uh, always really good. So I enjoyed right. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Christian and AEW? Kind of just bringing it to current day for a second. Um, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, I was the only thing I didn't like, um, and it's not AEW's fault. Um, maybe it is a little bit, but uh, I people were so hyped. Um, you know, then it started mm -hmm. to the rumors start getting out there, or people are hoping it may be CM Punk, it may be Kurt Angle. So it, when it was yeah. Christian, even though he's amazing and he has he is a Hall of Fame type talent. And probably will be one day in the Hall of Fame. Um, it was a bit of a disappointment, but that being said, um, I think it was a great addition. The only mm -hmm. thing that is starting to concern me is um, not really concerning me, but um, they their their top 
tier guys are all over over 40 really um yeah. a lot of i mean christian's my age i'm 47 so and that's 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 not a huge problem but you know it, it it could start to become a problem when you know it just shows to me like there's this was 20 you mentioned 20 years since uh you know it's almost 20 years from this uh, point in survivor series mm-hmm. and um we're still not getting guys over enough in this like the past generations to kind of it's like we lost a generation of guys like mm-hmm. we're you know what i mean it's like we're always going back to that era for right. guys like you know the paul whites and the edges and the christians and Matt Hardy and so many other people. It's like, what happened to guys that were around in 2005, six, seven, eight, mm-hmm. like they're not around any or, or right. weren't over enough probably, or perhaps to, to even, I don't know. It's like, there's a lost generation there for some reason, but uh, I think he'll, he'll be just fine for AEW. I really do. He still yeah. has it. You know, he could still go, you know, Absolutely. so that's all that really should matter. Right. And I think he'll be, if nothing else, a great mind to have backstage Absolutely. for these young guys. Because I think a lot yeah. of them could use some of that that psychology that Christian was such known for. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, but yeah, at this point, Christian was in a weird spot in 2001. He's fresh off of that feud with Edge. So their breakup of their their tag team, um, it was pretty much, it was kind of a rushed feud. Um, they've had, they had good matches for what they had. But um, coming out of that feud with Edge, Edge was the star, and Christian. It was like, we'll figure out what we do with what Christian. to do later. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he came out on the other side. I think eventually. Um, so after that match, we have a backstage segment with uh, Steve Austin and Deborah walking backstage into the locker room with the Alliance, and this is like kind of like a spotlight of like the woes of the storyline because you have. The Alliance team. So you have uh, Steve Austin, Kurt Angle, Booker T, RVD, Shane McMahon. And you also have Stephanie in there. And I know it was like a small detail, but I noticed that RVD and Booker T were like out of frame during this. You might not even notice that, but it was such like a <laughs> we're, we're focusing on the WWF guys that are allegedly supposed to be in this alliance and not right. these homegrown guys that you can like cultivate. Yeah. And like in the build up to this, I don't know if you remember, but there was a lot of infighting between both sides yes yes um and we'll see that that that'll come into play later which i did like um but i think it might have been a a better story if you had a a really strong unified alliance versus a fractured wwf do you agree i yeah i I think so uh you know i again uh and I, i you made a great point there i didn't even see it like that um yeah, but you know, not focusing in on uh, on Booker and RVD is definitely uh, mm-hmm. signs of what's to come. You know, and I get it; it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, right. You know, probably one of the greatest superstars of all time. But uh, it almost seemed, um, you know what I mean? It's just like I don't know. You could, you really could uh, tell where their heads were. You yeah. know, at that time, that was a great point you just made. I never saw. I didn't even see that like that. Thank you. I do. I do it every once in a while. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, what did you think of Stone Cold and his, his heel run in 2001? Um, it was okay. It yeah. was okay. Um, I knew I knew Steve, and I still know Steve very well. I've done a couple of his podcasts um, and uh, gotten to talk to him since. And uh, he was really, I knew, you know, he was really burnt out here. Right. I mean, yeah. he's coming yeah. off of probably one of the greatest WrestleManias of all time, if I'm not mistaken. I was, it was the, first, the only one I was in, uh, WrestleMania 17, mm-hmm. where Pac and I opened up you know, the show. It was like we were the dark match on Heat or something. But still, I got to wrestle. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, and I know Steve was kind of just hurting for some time off. And when you're at that level, 
um, and especially with this storyline, I could just see the cracks yeah. um, in him personally. You know what I mean? There was a lot of stuff going on that I can't even get into here. That was just, you know, he was, he was tired. He was um, physically like, you know what I mean? He needed a break. Yeah. And I think his heel run could have been um, much, I mean, not that it was bad by any means, but it was uh, a lot of ha ha. Yeah. And I think uh, if Steve was a little more, you know, fresh and had some some time to kind of recuperate i think uh, he would have you know maybe played it to the the wwe maybe some different ideas or, or whatnot you know but it was it was i mean it was okay for what it was yeah you know definitely okay for what it was i agree yeah especially you know at the beginning with his team with triple h i thought a lot of that stuff was really great but then you have triple h go out with injury and i think that threw a monkey wrench into their plans um and like you said, it became a lot of comedy stuff, which admittedly, I mean, I loved like him, his yeah. com- Steve's comedic timing is underrated, I think, especially yeah, stuff he did yeah. with Kurt. Um, and uh, and also a lot of stuff he did with the, the people we have in this next match, William Regal versus Tajiri. Um, another kind of like a throwaway, ma- not, not a throwaway match, because these guys have been pretty much associated for a couple months at this point. But uh, Tajiri came in as Regal's assistant. Uh, when Regal was commissioner, um, but Regal turned and joined the Alliance for whatever reason. Um, I know he was in WCW, but I feel like it was kind of the way they did it. It kind of didn't really yeah. make sense. But uh, yeah, versus Tajiri, who was a, a guy who probably should have been on the Alliance, but I guess he was he was super hot when he came in. Like he was automatically super over with the crowd. Um, everybody loved. Did you did you work with Tajiri in ECW? Oh yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think about Tajiri? I think he's another one of those guys that's like criminally underrated. Oh yeah, I, I think he was great. I, I worked with him uh, a couple a couple times, but uh, one time we had a singles match, um, and uh, for that I think I was heavyweight champion at the time, and uh, he challenged me somewhere, and I think it was on TNN if I'm not mistaken, and we had a hell of a match. We had a hell yeah. of a match. He was really really criminally underrated. Yeah, absolutely. Big I time. agree. Yeah, uh, but this match here lasts maybe two minutes. Uh, Regal yeah. somehow manages to bust himself open in those <laughs> two minutes. Um, that's just Regal, though, I guess. Uh, there's one spot where Regal throws Tajiri over the uh, the top ropes, but he gets caught like like Mick Foley did when he lost his ear. Yeah, in between the top and middle rope, but Regal being the pro, he improvises and kind of grabs Tajiri's ankles and like chokes him on, which looks brutal. But uh, I love that improvisation. Yeah, on Regal's part. Yeah. Um, but then kind of just hits a tiger power bomb on Tajiri out of nowhere uh, to get the win here. Um, and then after the match, uh, Tori Wilson, who is Tajiri's girlfriend at the time, comes out to check on Tajiri. But of course, Regal, what else is he going to do? Gets back in the ring and power bombs Tori Wilson and then walks away with the bloody nose. <laughs> Good shit, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a time. Different well, time, right? Yeah, it's a, you know, it, it was it was OK. It was, you know, too short. Nothing. It, it didn't really matter. I think, you know, it's one mm-hmm. of those things that they, they just they do for some reason. Um, but boy, you couldn't get away with powerbombing uh, Tory Wilson <laughs> today, I don't think. Well, that being you know? said, they did just announce uh, Randy Orton versus Alexa Bliss at the next. Yeah, but you know, so. they're not going to touch. You know what I mean? Hey, you never know. You could see some power yeah. bombs, pile driver, maybe. I don't know if you wrap a steel Orton chair sells, around Alexa's head. <laughs> she's a hundred pounds soaking wet. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? If, if Randy, you know what I mean? It just, I, I hate when they do those kinds of things because uh, if they won't go to, they won't put the match out there like that. It'll be some gimmick, but uh, mm-hmm. I just hate it because, you know, a guy like Randy would kick my ass, 
right. you know, and I'm a 250 pound guy. So to, to, to wrestle and for, you know, and to sell, especially for a girl of that size, um, it's just, it's criminal, you know, and, and it really uh, puts a hold, at least for me, for my liking of, of wrestling kind of kills it for me, but. That's right. Me. I'm sure it'll be a lot of uh, a lot of magic involved. A lot of you know, yeah, absolutely sorcery. Yeah, so, I'm sure, I'm sure that's your stuff. thing, right? Yeah, not really, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but uh, this next match here. So we have a unification match. It's the U.S. title or the U.S. champion versus the Intercontinental Champion, Edge versus Test. So this is I like that they're finally consolidating these titles because i've been watching all like the raws and pay-per-views and all this stuff building up and they just have like fucking 12 titles at the because you right. mentioned the european title and nobody cared about that because there was so many other titles and it was right. everything was just diluted and nothing really mattered so it's good that they're finally consolidating that um but this was a really good match I, I didn't really know what to expect between edge and test but these guys seem to have really good chemistry uh, a lot of great false finishes uh edge ends up winning this by uh, counting, countering a full Nelson slam into a roll-up and uh, becomes the unified U.S. and intercontinental champion. Uh, yeah, really great match as far as I saw. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, I was really surprised because I wrestled Test before, and uh, he's not the easiest guy to wrestle. Um, he's, he's a really, he was a really nice dude, God rest his soul, but uh, Andrew was stiff, and he didn't move around all that well. So uh, Edge really, uh, yeah, it was just like he was really excitable because he really didn't have that much experience, believe it or not. He only had like a couple of, you know, four or five years, which isn't that much to be in there, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. um, he's still considered sort of green, but um, Edge took it out. Uh, he got a good match out of him is what I'm trying to say. So, yeah. yeah. And I like the finish, too. Yeah. Hard to have a bad match with Edge, especially at yeah, this point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you think that's why Tess never really, because uh, this is kind of like his peak, really, as far as yeah. his, his WWF career. Do you think that's kind of um, what, what kind of like kept him from reaching a higher level? I think it was a bunch of things. Um, his, his substance issues were mm. uh, not that, you know, pretty bad. Right. Um, and, but he had, he had that look, man. Uh, I think they could have worked around mm. his, his stuff. I think they would have, I just don't know if um, he gave the office that confidence because it was like, you know, back then it was still, it was still, you know, guys were into what they were into and uh, mm -hmm. as long as you were, uh, you know, pissing clean or had a, pres a prescription for it, they couldn't say anything to you. Um, so, you know, um, but, you know, that wouldn't fly today in the WWE. Right. But, yeah. Do you think there's any, like, tie-in? Because uh, Triple H is out with an injury at this point. And once he, once he comes back, that's kind of when Test kind of – and they kind of have similar looks, similar – I guess yeah. Tess, Tess is taller. I don't know. Maybe that's kind of like they, you know, well, we have Triple H, so why do we need Tess kind of thing? Yeah, that's true. I mean, that certainly could be it. Yeah, yeah. They were high on him for a long time, you know, but right. I think, like I said, I think he was too much of a gamble to really uh, rely on, yeah. you know? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but speaking of gambling, we got a lot of gambling in this next match. It's a, another unification match for the tag team titles. So it's a WCW and WWF tag team titles. So we have the Hardys versus the Dudleys. Hard to go wrong with this, uh, these two teams. Yeah. Um, and as far as like representing each company for the champions, I think this is pretty much as good as they could have gotten. Uh, yeah. The Hardys being pretty much as far as in the tag team division, the face of that in the WWF. And WCW, I mean, in the later years, weren't really known for their tag teams. I mean, correct me right. if I'm wrong. 
And uh, but the Dudleys are such a they're such a very prominent name in wrestling. So I think they yeah. were a good uh, fixture to kind of have represent those champions. Um, and it's a steel cage match. So we've seen these guys in TLC matches, all that shit. But now we have a steel cage match. And uh, I mean, obviously, it's, it's a great match. I mean, how, how could it not be? Um, you got Bubba bombs off the top rope. You have each team making really good use of the cage, double team maneuvers, all that stuff. Um, but ultimately, so Stacey Keebler is with the Dudleys, the Duchess of Dudleyville. And uh, eventually she, so actually I should note that I do like the rules, how they were laid out, that if you wanted to escape, you had to go over the top. So you couldn't right. just, I don't know about you, but that drives me insane that you can just walk yeah. through the door. <laughs> yeah, I, hate, I hated that. I hated that. Yeah. Could not stand that. No, it's like, why would you ever try to pin somebody? <laughs> you can just right, walk exactly. out. Yep. Um, but they made it specifically, you had to climb over the top, which yeah. makes a little bit more sense. Right. But uh, Stacy, who was on the outside, lures Nick Patrick, the referee, in with her sexuality and all that. Uh, steals the key from him and unlocks the door to slide in a table because it's Dudley's. You can't have a Dudley match without a table. Um, they set the table up in the middle of the ring. And uh, at some point, they try to do a 3D on the Jeff Hardy through the table. I think Jeff up through the table. Uh, but they counter it. And Matt is able to escape the cage. So leaving it as basically a handicap match with the Dudleys versus Jeff. Jeff is about to escape, but he sees Devon laying on the table and can't help himself and does a swanton bomb off the cage and just obliterates the table. Devon moves out of the way, but the table just explodes. Uh, crazy, crazy bump. Um, so that is obviously the end of Jeff. Uh, Bubba's the one I believe that covers them. They win the match. Uh, Matt can't do anything because he's on the outside. Um, I, I like the storytelling here because I believe this is the pretty much the beginning of the end for the Hardys. So that kind of plays into you know Matt. You know he's can't he's done teaming with Jeff because he's taking all these unnecessary risks and um, all that stuff. So from a psychology standpoint, I really like the match and crazy bump at the end. Yeah, I pretty much enjoyed all of it. What about you? Yeah, me too. I, I thought it was it's it's it was almost uh, really refreshing to see because we don't see matches like that anymore yep. that are um, so well worked. You know what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. They they really knew how to tell stories, and uh, it's almost like the the further into the future, um, like we haven't really gone, like we haven't progressed. Like you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because I really don't see good stuff like, and maybe it's I'm being a little biased because those are my friends. All of them are, are you know are, are my friends. Um, but they, they were just, they told a great story, even the WWE with the way they were trying to break up the Hardys and having Jeff, I remember that actually mm -hmm. from uh, when I, when I rewatched it, I remember them doing that actually um, live and it was just well done. They were already planting seeds and it was just, just a, a good piece of business right there. Real good piece of business. Absolutely. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. 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 The tag division for me personally, growing up, um, that was like what I, cause I was a huge Hardy boys, Mark. Um, yeah, yeah. hated edge and christian love the dudleys all that stuff but it seemed like it kind of fell off a cliff after wrestlemania yeah because they had that that tlc match which is one of the best of all time but then after that i mean with the invasion happening and all that like that's just more justification for x factor being more prominent because you were got you guys were a great right. team and you could yeah. have added to that be a new fresh team in there um but it's weird yeah did, did you get any sense of that like the, like tag team wrestling becoming less of a priority as the years went on 
I, I did start to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, I, I got a taste of it. We actually did. Uh, and I was really hoping that they would continue this. We um, I, I remember right around the time of the plane ride from hell. I think it was um, we were uh, at Insurrection in London and it, we had a four way, a 14 match. It was the X Factor against the Dudleys, against the Hardys, against Edge and Christian. And that was a hell of a match. Yeah. I mean, that was like a really, really good match. And we did another one with, um, with the, I think it was Benoit and uh, Jericho against uh, me and Pac as well. Right. Um, we, we had some great matches with them because for some reason they were, te- they were teaming. I think it was like the, yeah. they called them the Chris's. They're Canadian, they're Chris's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I just thought we would have fit in fine, but they started to really, uh, kind of take the uh the the i don't know the seriousness of the tag team division which was so hot at one point like you said mm-hmm. um and they could have continued it and they i just think they chose not to it was just a simple we're going in a different direction other than highlighting the tag team division you know right. it's a shame yeah yeah agreed um and we get a little taste of that too in this next match the immunity battle royal uh, <laughs> it's good stuff right yeah well, it's funny because uh, so for, before beforehand, uh, Scotty Tuhati is backstage. He's, he's amped up. He's ready to warm out there and get in this battle royal. But uh, runs into Test, who is uh, is not happy, none too pleased with the the match earlier. So he just beats up Scotty and, and takes a spot. It's good, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like if you know you have two teams in the Super Bowl, the other team could just beat up the other team and just kind of slaughter. There right? you go, Jake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hate that stuff. It's so cheesy, but it is. you know, what are you going to do? A dastardly did, heel. Did, and there was a ton of guys. I, I was looking through the, uh, the Wikipedia page to see who was in that. I forgot I was in that. I didn't watch the did battle. Royal back. <laughs> yeah. I can't watch battle Royals because, uh, you know, they're just usually, especially if they're not Royal rumbles, um, they're just mm-hmm. going to be cheesy and they just want to get one guy. They just, they're worried about getting one guy over. So it's just like punch kick until somebody goes over the top and we got the guy we want to go over, mm-hmm. over, you know? So that's, it was just like, uh, so yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't see that gem of a battle Royal. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was going to ask like, how are they to work? Because it, like you they're said, horrible. it just seems like, like a bunch of just kind of lollygagging around until it's your time to get eliminated. Yep, you basically are looking around, waiting for like, because on the on the sheet of paper you have like, your cue is okay. They're going to eliminate Lance Storm. So thirty seconds after Lance gets eliminated, I'm just throwing a name out there because I know he was in yeah. it too. I'll get eliminated. Um, so you know, you just spend time like you know hiding somewhere, yeah. <laughs> trying not to do much, and then uh, you, you wait for your time and you get thrown out. Yeah, I was like, because I don't remember this match at all. Really, I don't remember who won yeah. or anything. Um, so I was pulling for you, man. I really was. But I always tell people I didn't do sir. I didn't do a Survivor Series, so I lied twice because I guess I was in the '96 <laughs> Survivor Series and uh, the 2001 Survivor Series. Who did you face? All about that. What'd you do in '96? Uh, um, we were a dark match with like me, Billy Gunn, um, like all those weird B-level guys against like um, who was it? like the Sultan. Mm. And like Pierre, when he right. was doing the pirate, like all those weird gimmicks <laughs> against all those weird gimmicks, like the guys that aren't good enough to be on the main show, we're going to not that we're not good enough. I mean, those are all future Hall right. of Fame guys. But, you know, the guys that they weren't like using, really, they were uh, going to just throw in that. It was like such a discombobbled <laughs> match as well. That was your uh, so, Aldo Montoya days, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it was a yeah. good time, right? 
really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, it actually was a really good time. Believe yeah. it or not, yeah, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I, I got to travel the world, man, and I learned so much. Um, you know, that really allowed me to 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 become who I was as a performer. So, I mean, I got to work with everybody, everybody. Right. It, was, it was good. I even got to work with, uh, which was ended up being a good thing for me, which. Uh, Austin really liked was working with me because we we'd have really good matches before he was stone cold actually when he was the right. ringmaster and he had Ted DiBiase with him um, me and Steve would tear it up you know got yeah. to work quite a bit yeah that's awesome yeah it's a little bit before my time but I'll definitely yeah have to go back and check that stuff out um, but yeah this is battle royal man I first of all I love though so the alliance makes their entrance and who's out there front and center it's this guy right here um, yeah Really uh, making every second count. Love that. Um, but yeah, the match, like you said, is just kind of a, a clusterfuck a little bit. Um, Chavo and Hugh Morris get in there late because they're kind of like free agents at this point. Uh, yep. So it's Taz, same thing. So they're trying to like have some story elements to it, but the crowd, I think the crowd's getting their popcorn. <laughs> yeah, point, right. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. Yeah. Uh, comes down to Billy Gunn and Test, who is back here. And uh, gives Billy Gunn the big boot and eliminates him. So tests test gets uh, immunity. So uh, if the alliance loses and they go out of business, he will still have a job. Um, this is like Billy and Chuck, like their tag team. This is like right before that starts. Yeah, for Billy yep. Gunn, another guy. It's like, have you worked with Billy Gunn a good amount? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. How was he? How was yeah, he? Because he's another guy. I was. I'm surprised great. he didn't really. Uh, yeah. So good. So good. Criminally, criminally too good, actually, because he's still in such great physical shape, super fast. Mm-hmm. And I can't understand how somebody goes from being in DX um, to then all of a sudden, like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I, I just can't understand when you have that kind of momentum the, to then going to, to nothing, you know, or not nothing, but not what it was. I mean, it's, not, not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Not was- what it could have been, you know. Yeah, exactly. Because he was the one Billy Gunn, which is like a gimmick. A lot of people might not even remember because it was so yeah. like he was so undercard at the time, which is bizarre. Because once again, another guy that had that look, he had the athleticism. Yeah. I mean, like you say, he's still going today. I think he just won a bodybuilding competition a few yeah. months ago. Oh, he's ridiculous. He's ridiculously yeah. like a freak. He's like he's got to be 50 something. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. As good a shape as he's in better shape as than ever. me, that's for sure. <laughs> they must have that good shit down in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no rules down there, you know. So it's you yeah. Know, don't talk, don't ask, you know. Yeah. Um but uh so after that we have uh a, a women's match. So the, the women's title at this point is vacated. Uh China won it back in like May, I wanna say, at judgment day. Uh but he, she shortly uh left um, and the women's title just wasn't a, a fixture on TV. You know, 2001 women's wrestling wasn't really a thing. Um, and so it was kind of just a, a background thing. But they're finally bringing the title back, vacated. And we have uh, six ladies uh, in a match to uh, see who will be that champion. So we have Molly Holly versus Ivory versus Lita versus Trish Stratus versus de- the debuting Jazz from ECW. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I well, didn't remember her debuting this early in her run, but uh, it was good neither, to see. Neither her. did I, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was like a like a 2002, like the drafts and all that stuff had already happened, but right. here she is here. Um, 
And she makes her mark right away in this match. It, it cracked me because she went right in there and did this like spear spine buster type of move to Trish Stratus and throwing people around. It was so like she differentiated herself from everybody else because yeah. she, she was like a true wrestler and you didn't really see that yeah. a lot. Um, but this is like you know, this out of place, like really good match from the women, or at least better than you would typically see in this time period. Um Ultimately, towards the end, uh, Jazz gets low-bridged over the ropes on top of Ivory and Jacqueline. Uh, Trish is in the ring. She hits the Stratisfaction onto Ivory to win her first women's championship. And we all know how her career turned out. The rocket was on her after this. Um, But yeah, for what it was, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun to kind of see all those gals in the ring together. You really start to realize how great they uh, these girls were. I mean, Molly Holly, uh, she was a friend of mine. I traveled with her once in a while back in the day, and uh, she was so talented, such a talented yeah. girl. And Jazz, I knew Jazz, like you said, from ECW, and she's a real, she's still doing it today. She's a real wrestler. Yeah. You know, so all and even Lita, all all those guys, guys, gals, yeah. <laughs> um, are are awesome. So to see them all in the ring really is like a snapshot of uh, that era, you know, and and what yeah. was to come, really, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely a good snapshot of the talent that they had and the potential. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really good to see Molly Holly going in the Hall of Fame as well this year. Yeah, that's awesome. Long deserved. Absolutely. Um, so that brings us to the main event. Winner take all. So this is pretty much what the whole show is centered it's around. About, yeah. Pretty much the last hour of the show or so. So it's a five on five traditional Survivor Series match. We have Team Alliance, Stone Cold, Kurt Angle, Shane McMahon, Booker T, and RVD versus Team WWF. We have The Rock, Undertaker, Kane, Big Show, Chris Jericho. So it's like looking at those names is like it feels like there's a lot of like pieces you can like move around that would make yeah. more sense. Yeah, you definitely could. But throwing Jericho and the Giant on the Alliance, yeah. get rid of Shane McMahon. Like, there's so much you know to talk yeah. about. There's so much, so many different yeah. like people they could have built up. I think you definitely. should have been in this match personally, but that's just me. Um, but uh, yeah, so the match, so the entrances. There were there were a few things I noticed in the entrances. Um, one thing I loved was Howard Finkel, who was doing the announcing. When every Alliance member got in the ring, he would like give him the stink eye, like he would look at him like really menacingly. Right. Yes. And it was like yes. such a small detail, but he's you know him being the first employee of WWF, it, like makes sense that he would have such disdain right. for the Alliance. Yeah, yeah, he was great like that. Howard was amazing. He loved that stuff, man, so much. Yeah. Um, and you have Undertaker coming out trying to run over everybody with his bike. As he should. I mean, like, why wouldn't he? Um, right. And then you have Jr. and Heyman bickering with each other. There's a lot of good, you know, pieces that are building up this match, um, making it feel like a big deal. Because, in, you know, for all intents and purposes, it is. And it should right. be. Um, and to amplify that, you have Rock and Austin started out, which is like, can't get any better at that, especially at this point. Exactly. Yep. Um, and maybe the MVP of this match might be Shane McMahon. Because uh, I love him. He's breaking up every single pin, whether it's just like a like an arm drag, a little clothesline here and there. He's just sprinting in that ring, diving like like yeah. his life depends on it. Like right. it, just, it gave like a sense of urgency, I think. Sure. And I think that's sure. like a, a yeah. detail that I think Shane is great with that stuff. I think he's great, too. He's 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 uh, criminally uh, 
left out of a lot of things that he, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what his deal is. He was always the coolest of the McMahons. And um, I don't know what his deal is, but uh, Shane is, uh, when he wants to be great, he could be great, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, he has Not to mention he's yeah. really good, good at what he does. Like, he's very athletic. Like, you know, he shouldn't yeah. be that athletic because he doesn't look all that. Like, he's, there's a lot of flab going on underneath there, <laughs> you know? But hey, he's you know, some, a jersey. He's got some we athletic talk about ability. That. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's not a lot of bad Shane McMahon matches. He like no. always delivers. Yep. Um, but uh, so at some point, Big Show gets in. He's destroying everybody. Um, but ultimately, he gets hit with an angle slam, followed by a scissors kick by Booker T, followed by a five-star frog splash from RVD, and then followed by an elbow drop from Shane McMahon. So he gets hit with everybody's finisher. Um, he gets eliminated, but I think he looks really strong in defeat, having to take everybody's finisher. Yeah, so I thought that was good. But then, uh, so after that, uh, Shane is celebrating. Uh, he's all amped up because he eliminated the Big Show on his own, of course. And uh, he turns around to face The Rock. The Rock just beats the shit out of him. Uh, tags in Kane, who gives him a choke slam. Who tags in Undertaker, who gives him a tombstone and eliminates Shane. So kind of like a karma thing, you know, now all the finishers get on, on Shane. Right. Then, uh, Chris Jericho gets in there and, uh, Oh, he, sorry. Chris Jericho is the one that eliminates Shane. Uh, it's crazy because Jericho and Shane, two guys that are still wrestling. today. Yep. RVD and, uh, Kane get in there. RVD hits the five star frog splash on Kane and everything breaks down. Everybody's fighting on the outside. Um, but then on the inside of the ring, you know, Kane gets back up and RVD hits him with a top rope kick, uh, eliminating Kane, which felt like a big deal to me for RVD to eliminate yeah. someone as huge as Kane. Yeah, big time. And uh, yeah, RVD, he was like, he was super over at this time. And it was like, it was, it's one of my favorite things because he was so clearly like, wasn't designed for that. Like no. he felt like just another number in the beginning. Um, but people got behind him just organically with the great matches he was, he was having with Jeff Hardy and Jericho and stuff. His um, ability definitely got him over, you know? Yeah. Who would have thought, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, cause he was always, and I, and this is, you know, I just got to say this real quick. He had a couple of, you know, he did things like, like the five-star frog splash and just did some jazzy offense. Whereas as a heel, I was like a, a bump taker, a flare kind of mm-hmm. a thing. My offense wasn't supposed to be so jazzy. It was all in the booking that I would get people. So if you don't have a lot of of that as your character base, you're not going to get over with the WWE fan base because right. if you're waiting for the WWE to get you to get you over, you could be waiting for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he he was he had the right move set the right kind of attitude and, and thing for that time you know because nobody's seen yeah. anything like him at that point yet you know right yeah because like the martial arts aspect wasn't as prominent as it is today where now it seems right. like everybody <laughs> does it right yeah um see so yeah, RVD eliminates Kane uh, Taker gets in there hits the last ride on Kurt Angle. Uh, Booker T gets in there, tries to hit Undertaker with a chair, but uh, Undertaker uh, ducks out of the way, kicks him out, uh, but runs into a Stone Cold stunner. Uh, Austin pulls Kurt on top of Taker, and Taker is eliminated. Uh, I feel like Undertaker, he kind of felt, he almost felt background in the, in the whole invasion, which to me, it feels like he should have been the face of the WWF. Yeah. yeah. 
So now on the WWF side, just to recap. So now the only two men left are uh, Rock and Jericho, who had been feuding for a couple months before this, which yep. is like a, a thing that I don't really remember happening until I just recently watched. I remember the only reason I remember that is because um, me and Raven wrestled Rock and Jericho and uh-huh. uh, and Jericho actually hit Rock with a chair and we put the boots to rock and somehow Raven and I won by DQ. Oh yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah that don't it was, that. That's pretty good. Yeah. But it was, it was something that it like, wasn't a big deal. It was obviously for their feud, but the only reason I remember is because I was in it and I remember them feuding. So yeah. a little tidbit there. Right. I got in the <laughs> ring with the rock. Are you bragging or something? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, so we have rock is, uh, rocks in there. He's able to catch Booker T with a roll up out of nowhere to eliminate him. Uh, Booker T, another guy who just felt background when he shouldn't have been yeah. like, again, he could yeah. have been like, cause he was one of the biggest names in WCW right. when it, when it folded. So RVD and Jericho are in there now. They're both legal and they have a good little segment there for a few minutes. Uh, RVD goes for a split legged moonsault, but Jericho gets the knees up and then follows it up with a, uh, the breakdown, which is kind of like a, like Miz's finish, the skull crushing finale. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so Jericho eliminates RVD. So now we got a two-on-two match. And both those those duos, like we just mentioned, Rock and Jericho, who have been at each other's throats. And now we have Kurt and Austin, who also have been feuding for a few months. And you have the whole Kurt turning on the WWF store. But, well, you know, that'll all kind of like play itself out in this match as well. Um, then uh, so Kurt Angle gets put in the sharpshooter by the rock and taps out almost immediately. And I'm watching this and I'm like, that's kind of weird. Critical to tap out so quickly. But when you kind of see how this all pans out, it almost makes sense. Austin. I think he, uh, how does he beat you? I think Austin just rolls up Jericho to eliminate him. So now we just got a one-on-one match stone cold versus the rock, which maybe it just should have been that <laughs> Jericho gets back in after he's eliminated. He's all pissed off. And, uh, Turns on the rock, hits the rock with a steel chair. He's all emotional that he lost, forgot what the stakes are. So he just takes out the rock. So, but Austin isn't able to capitalize on this, or he tries to at least. He dominates him for a while, beats him up on the outside, you know, hits the rock with a rock bottom for a two count. Uh, refs, ref bumps all over the place. Austin knocks out one of his own refs, Nick Patrick, I believe it was. So when both refs are down, Kurt Angle gets back in there. And by God, he hits Stone Cold with the title belt, turning once again on the Alliance and allows Rock to hit the rock bottom onto Stone Cold. For the win, WWF wins. The Alliance is dead. A lot of shenanigans in this match, but ultimately, like, there's a lot of stories embedded in it. And I thought they did a good job at kind of creating a uh, not just, you know, one elimination after the other. They kind of had different stories throughout. Yeah, I mean, it, I enjoyed the match. It was uh, it, it was better than anything I've seen uh, in the past couple of years from the WWE. Um, I mean, you know, a lot of great names there. Uh, it was it was fun to watch, and uh, I think everybody did everything, uh, you know, great. You know, it was yeah. really well done. You yeah, know? absolutely. Um, even though you know, I don't think anybody in that arena thought the WWF was yeah. losing this match, um, but for what it was, very entertaining. Uh, you know, Vince McMahon comes out, does the whole, you know, hands in the air thing. It's good shit. It was good. Job. I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, that's how the show comes to a close. And that's how the invasion comes.
comes to a close. So, um, yeah, you watch the show. I mean, ultimately, um, let's say if you had to give, give it a rating out of 10, what do you think you'd give it? I would give it just for the main event alone. Um, I would give it an eight. Yeah. Um, it was better. It was better than what I would have remembered. Um, but being that this could have been probably the greatest angle of all time. Um, mm-hmm. It should have, you know, with the undercard and stuff. But uh, the main event, I mean, they did do a good job. So it was a lot better than I remembered it, you know, from from way back when. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a lot of things they could have done differently in the buildup. But sure. for what they had, the players at play couldn't have been any better, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, man, that's pretty much all I got. Um, yeah, once again, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to watch oh, the show no, it was for a one. Pleasure, man. I, I really, I yeah, I wanted to be able. Anytime I do these things, I like to be prepared because you know, I'm here. I want to give some real insight. I mean, you know, right. so yeah, it was a pleasure, man. I had a good time. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, I've heard you on interview, a bunch of interviews over the years. You're such a great talker and such a young, like you said, great to have insight on somebody who was actually on the show, even though you don't remember. Right. <laughs> I know, right. Um, but yeah, it was a pleasure, man. Do you have anything you uh, you want to plug or anything? Um, just follow me on Twitter and Instagram, both at PJ Polacco, and of course, uh, prowrestlingtees.com backslash just incredible. And that's it. Absolutely, man. Once again, thank you for coming on here. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day, man. Once again, thank you so much to Just Incredible for joining me on this episode, reviewing Survivor Series 2001 a show that he was involved in, even though he didn't remember. I mean, there was so much other stuff I wanted to ask him, but I was just so excited to have him on that I meant to ask him if I could be the fourth member of X Factor. It was a whole thing. It was a whole thing, but really awesome guest. Such a good talker, man. Anybody that's seen him in ECW knows that he is such a great orator um, in so many different ways. So thank you to him. Such a fun time. And uh, yeah, guys, if you look, if you haven't listened to my previous invasion era pay-per-view reviews, I highly recommend it. Just go to apronbump.com and up at the top, you'll see an episodes tab. Click on that and go to attitude era and that'll just display you all of these, all of these reviews. You can click on your podcast platform of choice or YouTube, whatever you, uh, whatever you fancy. And I, I'm, I'm saying this because it's funny. You, you can literally hear my tone evolve over time. You know, Invasion, I was very glass half full. Um, then SummerSlam happened. I, I lost some of the glass. Um, then Unforgiven, No Mercy. And now we're here. And now I've pretty much smashed that glass on the counter and it shoved the shards up my asshole. That's, that's pretty much where we're at now. <laughs> but... um. Yep, that's the invasion, folks. And now we move on to, uh, I guess it wouldn't be ruthless aggression right away, right? What is that period? What is the period called between the invasion and ruthless aggression? Because ruthless aggression doesn't really start until the brand split, really, right? Was it spring of 2002? What is that little period in between? Is that the, uh, the lost era? The NWO, what is it? The Triple H comes back and is all sweaty and jacked. It's something like that, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, look forward to getting into that soon. It might be a little bit before my vengeance review because of the whole uh, Peacock deal. Um, the uh, All the Rawls and Smackdowns haven't transferred over completely. So it might be a little bit, but we'll see. We'll see how things go. 
Um, but yeah, that's all I got, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you once again to Just Incredible, ApronBump.com. We'll link you to all my social media and all the platforms that you can enjoy this luscious, luscious voice in your ear holes. Uh, that's all I got. Thank you guys once again for listening. Yeah. I'm hard. Talk around and disregard it. Ship you off the ground, show you what hard is. Send you strong and proud of your knockers. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Ship you off the ground, show you what hard is.